wouldn't say it's much hero worship, but, but to recognize the hero, I think it's very, very important to get in part of male maturation, again, to get him towards his ideal self. It should first start with the father, reinforced usually with male relatives, right? With grandfather, uncles, so forth, in order to guide, let him know exactly what's going to be expected of him as he becomes a man. The object is they want to turn out a good man. Okay. When he leaves, when he leaves the home, he will encounter other males. Okay. Now, the, I, the idea is if he encounters a police officer, fireman, uh, a truck driver, whatever, that these men share the same value system as the father. So when the child leaves the house, it's reinforced even more that, okay, I, this is the route I'm supposed to take, this is the behavior I'm supposed to take, so on and so forth. Then you go to the client, what I call that the tertiary level, where a child sort of dreams now about uh, what I really would like to be. He may come across a doctor, uh, a football player, you know, uh, a scientist. Uh, and, and if these men also share the same value system as um, the father, this, again, this behavior is reinforced. Guys like to look up to to guys doing extraordinary things. The, the person who's doing the greatest extraordinary thing is the man who stays in the house, raises his family, loves his wife. That 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 in this day of age, that is really a hero. You're in a city now where there's all kind of turmoil, all kind of shootings every weekend. Mm-hmm. I think, and it it. To me, a direct result of not having a hero in the home to groom these guys or groom these boys into the behavior of what to become a man. Uh, the other day you had mentioned, um, we were talking about hip hop culture. Was that uh, a kind of a survival mechanism type thing? And, and in my mind, I, I didn't see it as a survival mechanism thing. I saw it as something that was hastened to get somebody six feet under, but I didn't really see it that type of mentality protecting somebody so that he would reach age 21 and over. And the reason why is that type of mentality, say like with the hip-hop culture, tends to make a person emotional, okay? He makes him more emotional. You mentioned the other day, black people are emotional people. And what you don't really need is to add emotion onto that, you know, especially... You know, he's heaping, you know, all kinds of anxieties, fears, stresses, tensions, all these extra emotions. That's not good for anybody, let alone a, a person who basically is highly emotional to begin with. And so the purpose of, like, a, a good father and good hero figure is to sort of make more of a rational human being, a rational human being who makes better decisions in his life, okay? There's uh, a relationship as emotions go up reasons go down, okay, and we don't really want that type of relationship with our men coming up, our, our young black men. We want to be the opposite. We want more reason to be expressed. When more reason expressed, emotion goes down. Then a person basically is thinking now. He's thinking. He's behaving. He makes better choices. This is what I'm saying that a hero um, uh, office to uh, an individual. Well, Robert, l- 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 let me let me just jump in here on that um, because I do want to I do want to speak to something on that now because you did bring up what I had mentioned about um, 
uh, the other day we were talking about the hip hop culture. And I says, well, listen, you know, here in Chicago, a lot of these young men. Well, let me let me just sum this part up. Um, the reason why I say, and then I, I believe that um, a lot of these young men, the shootings here, in particular here in Chicago, it's, it's just outrageous. I've always said that Chicago has a parenting problem. And I know that is truly at the foundation of so many other aspects that are going wrong here in my beloved city of Chicago. Um, but let me tell you why I said it's, it's, it's survival. And I, that's something that I, I kind of grafted that, um, talking with young people. Cause like you said, I mean, you know, we all have our assumptions and presumptions, uh, uh, you know, deductions about things, but you really can't know until you really, like you say, kind of get to know individuals and get out there and start talking to people. Well, by my position of just working in media and having had worked in media, I get a chance to talk to people and maybe some people are a little less, um, extroverted in that way, but I am extroverted and I'll just go up to people and I'll start talking. Well, let me give you a quick example of why I say that it's really, it's less emotional than what a lot of people would think. And it's more survival. And you would think that these young men are not thinking and that they're not being rational. They're, they are not being rational, but, but there's a lot of thought going into that. They are ap- actually operating more by reason than what people would think. And I'm going to show you how. One night <coughs> I went out. I went out to this to my old neighborhood that I used to live in uh, here in Chicago. It's the South Shore community. So anybody who's listening from Chicago, they'll know that's not one of the best communities to live in. Well, it's starting to change a little bit now through gentrification. But going back about 15, almost 20 years ago when I lived in that area and just starting out as, as a young single reporter, that sort of stuff, it wasn't the best of the community. So Long story short, I get out there and I see these young black guys. I mean, they're hanging out on the corner, you know, like they said, just kind of standing around doing hood kind of stuff. And I don't know what (laughs) possessed me, but I thank the Lord he was with me. And I just went up to these guys. It was nighttime. And I said, hey, fellas, can I talk to you all? And they were like, what? You know, they were looking at me like, what? And these kids looked like they were about 17. I would say maybe the eldest being about 23. And they're probably trying to figure out why is this little middle-aged black woman trying to talk to us. And I got a chance to talk to a lot of them. And I I really had a heart to heart. It was about five of them. And I was heart to heart with these young brothers. And I was asking them like, guys, why are y'all out here? I mean, no judgment. Why are y'all out here? And I just literally just put my heart on the table with them. And you'd be surprised, Robert, they put their hearts on the table with me. And you would think that they're being emotional. That's why they're shooting. But you know, a lot of these young men were telling me like, hey, look, I don't want to have to shoot that other brother. But you don't understand, Miss Lady. You don't understand, ma'am. You don't understand. Guess what? If I don't shoot that guy over things that we're doing here so I can go back and feed my baby because I've got a baby's mama who's tripping on me. Guess what? It's now dog eat dog. I'm not shooting because I'm emotional like some woman who's, you know, having a, a PMS fit. I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about my grandma who can't afford her medicine. And she's on SSI. I'm thinking about, you know, my, you know, so this is when I say, oh, wow, what a revelation. 
That's why I said for many of these young people, it's survival. And oddly enough, uh, Robert, I just wanted to turn you on to this and I'm going to kind of shut up and let you get the floor. But check out, there was an interview that Tupac himself, the legendary great Tupac, did about uh, over 20 something years before he passed away. And he was talking to, I think it was Ed Bradley at 60 Minutes, the interview. You can find it on YouTube or Google it. And he was kind of saying similar to what what, what, uh, these young men were telling me not all that long ago. He was saying, listen, you know, I'm not trying to kill kill this other black man because I want to. He says, man, I know if I don't take him out, it's war out here. This is war. And so Tupac kind of spoke to the the ruminations of that. So I just wanted to throw that out there to you, Robert, that I think sometimes, again, I I think the the worst problem in life is that we only, all of us, I'm guilty of it, you're guilty of it, everyone is guilty of it. We only look at life through the prism in which we live it. We can only play the cards that we're dealt. If I'm dealt a certain card, I think everybody should play the game the way my hand is playing it. But I think a lot of times if we can set our cards down and ask the person across the table, why are you playing your hand like that? I think a lot of times they'll tell you, hey, look, these are the cards I'm dealt. So I don't think it's so much about emotionalism. I think, you know, maybe to uh, a man of wisdom and integrity and and dignity and uh, experience such as yourself, it may come across as that. But if you really t- give yourself an opportunity to talk to these young men, they'll let you know off the bat, phew, it has nothing to do with emotions. As a matter of fact, one guy said, man, if I start letting my heart feel, feel for that brother, start feeling, they didn't use the word brother, they used the other word, the N word. He said, if I start letting my heart feel for that, I can't go home and feed my kid. So that's why I say, oh my, it, I, it has so little to do with emotion. Because think about what the young man said. If he really does operate in emotion, he would actually do the right thing and not kill that guy. So I just wanted to throw that 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 little out thing out there on on the table for you. Uh, okay. Well, my rebuttal to that is, um, if he was more, if he was thinking on a more rational basis, he wouldn't be out on those streets. Okay, he would be, he would be, say, like rather than standing on the corner where you're not generating any money. You could be working at, say, McDonald's or, uh, or doing, doing, doing something where you don't put yourself in harm's way, okay? You, 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 you know, if, you, if you're at work or you're at trade tech or something like that, something very, to me, that is more of the, you know, the rational way or more of the male, the male type way you're supposed to be conducting yourself. But hanging out on the street, things like that. Yeah, well, they weren't just hanging out on the street. I mean, I was smart enough to know, Robert, which is why I got a little scared. You know, when we... Right. I mean, I got to be honest with you, but I think about that. And I said, man, you know, I thank the Lord for that moment because here's what it was. They weren't just hanging out. When we see these young black guys, we're thinking, oh, he's just hanging out. No, he's actually at work at that point. And to touch on the thing about McDonald's, you know, people talk about a McJob. Look, I've done jobs that, you know, watch everything from wash toilets to work at delis, you name it, to pass out. You know, I've done it. And I would rather take a job like that that gives dignity and integrity, even as a woman. Hey, for me being a woman, I'm pretty sure I probably would have had it a lot easier if I went to the stripper pole and was twerking all night. Those girls make big money. But the realities are that's where I think, Robert, where you've been going with the book the whole time of about the super ego and having a true, strong 
moral base. So that's, I think that's really what you've been trying to, you know, hammer home with your book. But I think that's what's really lacking because these guys figure like the realities are, and let's just be honest, McDonald's, a McJob, a Burger King, it's not going to pay those guys enough money to be sustainable on their own two feet, their children, or to help their grandmother out who needs medication and the medication's costing $300 and $400 a month and grandma can't take care of it off of her uh, limited income. So they're smart enough to know if I'm working McDonald's, here in Chicago, McDonald's ain't going to pay me enough money to get on a CTA. It ain't going to pay me enough money to have a car. It ain't going to pay me enough to have gas. It's not going to pay enough for me to have just the lowest basic rent in Chicago. Certainly ain't going to buy me no groceries. So what would they rather do? They would rather, not justifying it, but they they look at it. Like you said, they're actually, they're thinking irrational, but they're thinking. They're not really being as emotional as people are thinking. They're saying, hey, let me count the cost. Okay, if I stand out here on this corner in front of this, you know, this rest, this, this pub or whatever, wherever I'm standing on this, these four corners, I know I'm going to put $1,500 in my pocket. Now, that's not a lot of money because I can lose my life over this $1,500. But this $1,500 in one night, surely going to take care of grandma's medicine. Surely going to buy pampers for my child. Surely going to put groceries in my mother's refrigerator. McDonald's can't do that for me. Not even, not just in one day. It can't even do that for me in one month. You're, you're, you're correct, but I think what led those guys there is is the lack of, of uh, how to say, direction, the lack of, of time to make better decisions without having a father around, or at least a godly father around. You can have a father, but mm-hmm. if you had a father that had purpose in his life, you, you can benefit from it. But I think what leads them to that corner still, I do believe, is more of an emotional, not a decision, but just, just emotion. Because I think the one of the, the emotions that we do mention in the prologue of the book is pride. I think that, 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 that emotion that God absolutely hates, I think that's what puts these guys on the corner because it's a prideful thing. You're right. You put yourself in harm's way. You'd rather see yourself make big money to up your ego, but it's the same. But Robert, I have to disagree. I don't because fifteen hundred dollars is not a lot of money either. I don't. I don't think that these these young black men are flowing out of ego or pride on that. They're truly flowing out of survival. You, you, I don't think you caught what I said. It, if they, let, let's just call it a spade a spade. The reason why you and I know we could go and clean toilets and work at McDonald's and and, and make nothing. Of, of a check. People don't even understand. McDonald's wasn't even intended for a person with a family. It really wasn't. It was intended for a starter job. It's a, it's a starter job. It's a touchstone for a person who needs to get some experience to get out into the real world. So let's clarify that. Here's what they're looking at. This is why I say, I can't, I can't agree with that, that it's emotional because here's what they're looking at. $1,500 is not a lot of money. It's not. It's not like they're making 15000 out there. And it's not that they're being prideful. They understand something that guess what? To do the right thing, Robert, let's just say it, you're going to suffer. And it's not that they don't want to suffer. They're already suffering. So what? they're already suffering. They're suffering in poverty, living in the projects, living, you know, living from pillar to post. So what they're looking at is, guess what? I'm already suffering. So going to a McDonald's, like I said, you're making less then anything, you can't survive on it, even at the lowest level of a McDonald's job. You can't. So what they realize is, guess what? Okay, my mom's about to be put out. She just got a notice that either her house is foreclosing 
or guess what? She's about to be evicted. Grandma's got medicine. If grandma don't get this medicine, grandma's going to kill over and die. Okay. I've got a, a child. I've got a baby's mama. I've got baby's mama drama here and I've got to feed my kid and I've got to get some pampers. Now you show me how I can go to McDonald's and in one month be able to do all of that. They know that they can't. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what our question, what our question, yeah, I, an individual has to do what he has to do. Yes, I agree. Survival in that context without question. You have to do what you have to do. I'd probably do the same thing if a uh, bird fell on me and I had four white children in the household or whatever. Yeah, I'd probably be selling fentanyl or something like that. I, I get that. All I'm just saying is that what led them there, what led them to that point, were emotional choices. That's, that's I don't think so. They're born into it. They're born into it, Robert. They're born into it. Well, yeah. Well, yeah that's, 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 they're born in emotion, okay? And they respond in emotion, okay? This is why... I just think they're born into poverty, Robert. I, poverty is not an emotion. Poverty is a reality. Well, that's true. You can be poor. You can be, you can be poor, but you're not, say, um, devoid of morals, Okay. Uh, you can you, you you may you know, for for my wife's family from, from Tennessee, and I don't think my father-in-law in a good year in a good year made say fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, because he basically is a farmer. Okay, every one of his children, every one of his children are college educated and and, and well mannered. I mean, a married daughter. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know that you know. So he turned out a good product. But what I'm saying, financially, and he has like eight children. He, he's at poverty level. Financially, that, 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 he was qualified. He'd be at the poverty level. But what was it that every one of his children are outstanding human beings? They're all black, okay? Mm-hmm. They all come from Walkfast, Tennessee, okay? You know, where you, know, <laughs> you, you, you can see hogs as big as cars running around and... Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm being crazy about that. But I'm saying, what was it that made his children turn out to be outstanding people? And it was him. It was him. He's a godly man. He's, he, he they ate what he ate. He provided what he provided. And he took them to church. It turned out they turned out really well. So they they were groomed. They were groomed to think more on a non-emotional way of survival. Okay. But now, Robert, can I ask you a question in all honesty? And I hear what you're saying. I have a grandfather who's dead and gone. Same thing. You know, back then, black people had lots and lots of kids. Okay, And so my mom comes from a a 10 kid household. Now, let me say this to you. And I totally agree with that. That's why I even said I said, you know, there's a lack of morality. I don't think it's an emotionalism, but there's a lack of Uh morality here. So I agree with that hands down. But let's also, like you said, what was it that flipped it? Well, if your father-in-law, you know, he was a farmer, like you said, he was poor. I grant you, poor don't mean that you can't have dignity and that you can't have morals and integrity. We know that that's not true. And that's certainly not the message I'm trying to send. But what I am sending Uh is this. There was a time in these United States, and I don't want to get too far off your book here, but there was a time in these United States where a guy like your uh, 
father-in-law and a guy like my grandfather, who was very uneducated, uh, he didn't have the education. He didn't, like you said, he was probably at the poverty level for his time, but he had God, he had morals, and his kids were able to grow up and become productive citizens and so on and so forth. But here's the difference about society overall. And I'll jump on something that, you know, a lot of people mocked Kanye West for this a couple of months ago when he was at the White House um, talking to Donald Trump, President Trump. But one of the things that Kanye said in, in all that barrage of discussion he was having, he says, listen, he says, you know what? He says, the factory jobs. He said, when I was a kid growing up in Chicago, and I know he's telling the truth, because when I was coming up as a kid in Chicago, that was the, the thing. You didn't have all the, the kind of black crime and unemployment, because you know why? You didn't have to have a lot of education. You could go and work. Uh, being in right. the North, you could go and work those factory jobs. You could do right. that. You could go and, and work, you know, like my mother even have a story about an uncle of hers. This guy had zero education. Every day he kept showing up to a construction site and he kept asking this, this white guy who was the foreman, hey man, can you give me a job? Can you give me a job? Can you give me a job? And each day this white guy's like, well, man, we don't have anything. You know, Come back, come back, come back. And she said that one day, her uncle, who this guy went on to, to go on and be very prosperous and successful, um, so much so uh, that, you know, he was able to really put his kids in a, in a better way than himself. But he said, one day the white guy says, you know what, listen, I got a guy who didn't show up. Now, you've been coming and hanging around, you know, this whole time. I'll tell you what, here's a hard hat. Here's a jacket. Let's go. Now, that's awesome. But the difference is, Robert, let's be honest. What black guy can do that now? Because even if a black young man said, hey, listen, I need a job. I need a job and goes to any construction site. You've got so much bureaucracy and so much change now that it's harder for black men to lock into that kind of stuff. Because either A, like Kanye West said, those jobs either no longer exist or B, if a young black guy goes to a construction site, say, hey, man, can you give me a job? I'll just sweep the floors. I'll pick up. I'll throw away the bricks. Guess what? He's going to be told, well, I'm sorry, you don't have experience. You don't have a degree. You don't have, you know, you don't have this. You don't have that. We can't hire you in one day. We, so it's, these are some of the things that I think in society that have affected black men and thus the black community. That, that's all I want to say, Robert. I, I agree. If all options have been exhausted, I agree with you that I would probably, I'm, I'm admitting all options have been exhausted and I have tremendous burdens on me for people I love. Yeah, I but I think yeah. there's hope though, Robert. Yes. I think there's hope. I like you and I were talking off the record, you know, yesterday evening after our other recording. I think the hope comes in is that those of us who are in a position, we ought to be able, uh, and this is what Kanye yeah. West was trying to get to, you know, maybe society now won't allow a black kid with zero experience to go and sit at a, a construction site for like a whole month and then just hire the guy on the fly. You know, society doesn't work that way anymore. Those jobs don't even yeah. exist. But those of us who can make opportunities for young black men, that's where I feel, whether you're black or white or whatever, that's where I feel as a society, we can help rally and begin to turn the tide on that. But until we all do that, these guys are facing real survival issues. And that's why I say I, I really don't think it's too. I agree that they're thinking wrong. I agree that they're being irrational because they're rationalizing in a wrong and, and a nefarious way. But it's far from emotional for those young men. Far, far be it from them. Well, what, what I, to me, I think a solution, and we talked about this off the record too, 
Kanye has brought back to Chicago. And maybe if I was in his position, what I would like to do is I wouldn't be so much concerned with bringing material things into the community because I think you gave the answer, which should be brought back what would, I would believe would revive the community is that you maybe, again, the heroes to come back and impart uh, uh, strategies on how these people can survive without looking over the shoulder. So things like maybe starting up a trade school, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we need, you know, black male teachers. I don't think, actually, I don't think I ever had a black male teacher coming up, but that's what we need, black male teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we need that type of input to change, to turn things around. Again, we need, we need these heroes, okay? We, we, we need, okay, we don't have the job at Ford, okay? The, uh, because the greed, they sent they, the, the, the Ford and GM that sent their jobs over to, you know, Asia, that kind of stuff, okay? So what do we got to do to survive, okay? Uh, I'm not a big fan of sending everybody to college, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if, you, if, you don't really, if you don't really know what you're going to do, morning, God, don't go. Right. Especially if you're not doing one of the professions. If you're not going to do that, then go to a trade school where you can learn to put something on the table. Amen. And, yeah, and you don't have to look over your shoulder. Because you, you know, you, you, you cut this guy's uh, cocaine with sugar and he's not looking for it. You don't, you don't have to do that. Right. So, so be more realistic about expectations. Yeah, you don't have to become a rocket scientist. And one of the problems is in the 60s, there was a big push that everybody had to be something, okay? You, you, you know, you, you just couldn't be a normal guy. You had to be something. You had to be a lawyer. You had to be a CEO. You had to have a Forbes, Forbes 500 Forbes. You don't need that, okay? Mm-hmm. What you need to do is put food on the table in a moral and ethical way so that when somebody knocks on your door, you're not looking through the people, you're not afraid to cut your engine on. You're not afraid to walk because you're not harm somebody along the way trying to survive. Okay, right. that's what I think. That that's we right. don't we don't need uh, parks and recreation. We don't need guys uh, making guest appearances. We need individuals there who are going to change the culture of the society. Okay, again, we 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 want strong superhero influenced heroes to come back. Okay, they don't need money. We don't need money. We just basically people committed to say, look, fellas, this is this world out here that we're dealing with, okay? In order for you to survive, you got to compete with this Chinese boy, this Jewish boy, this, this, this Middle Eastern boy, because they, they, they're they already one step ahead of you, okay? Now, our job is to get you as ready as possible, as ready as possible, but something that you feel comfortable doing. But, 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 but you got to leave that vice alone. You got to leave that high-profile, high-risk stuff alone, okay? We, we, we got to stop it. And then the other thing is, rather than you worrying about uh, feeding that, that the, feeding the baby in the way you do it, you marry that girl, okay? So that gives you more of a sense of responsibility to stay the hell off those streets, okay? Because your wife and your children need you, okay? Bad company ruins good morals, okay? You don't have no business staying on a street corner, uh, setting up some deal, or standing around uh, doing nothing. Do something. Well, the devil's workshop. But you know what, Robert, that let me tell you something about here in Chicago. Amen. I agree with everything you're saying on that. Uh, But let me tell you something that and this is why I say, man, this thing is so uh, it's so multifaceted. It's so 
I mean, multi-layered the problems that really have come down and affected the black community. When I was a kid, now keep this in mind, when I was a kid, one of, one of the best field trips, my hand to the good Lord above, one of the best field trips I had as a young person, and I had to be maybe around eight or nine years old, uh, our school at the time, and, and I'm going to tell you something that's going to really blow you away. I started out going to a predominantly black school because I grew up in a predominantly black area in the 70s and the 80s and things like that. And but the school started turning over. I mean, my, I guess my mom could see it. You know, she, she's got a prophetic, you know, anointing on her or whatever. So she, I remember my mother telling my dad, I remember my parents talking. She's like, ah, oh, we got to get the kids out of that school. So one of my, my eldest, well, one of my older brothers, but the one who's closest to me in age, we were the two younger ones. So my mom's like, hey, let's get these kids out of school because we were running into some problems at the school. You know, kids wanted to fight and things like that. So my mother had us transfer to a... Uh, a multicultural, multiracial school, just to be honest with you. And it was like the black kids were truly the minority in the school. I mean, you had Asian, you know, other types of kids, white kids, but the black kids were like the few in number. So long story short, when I got to that school, one of the best field trips we ever had as a kid, and I, I had to be about 10 years old then. It was about eight, about 10 years old. So we go on a field trip and we go to what anybody in Chicago may remember. It was called the Wash burn trade school. And man, it was like, I was like a kid in the, the Willy Wonka chocolate factory. It was so, I mean, even now I'm still getting giddy and chills thinking about how I felt as a little girl going into the Washburn trade school. They, I mean, they took us to where, guess what? They showed us, you know, young people learning how to fix cars. And then they had another part where there was a culinary part where we saw young people learning how to cook and be chefs. And then there was another part where it was showing us you know, guys working on the, you know, the early models of computer. It was so fascinating. I got more out of that field trip than I did going to, let's say, the Shed Aquarium, where you're watching fish swim around or whatever like that, or the History Museum. Why am I saying that? Because right now in Chicago, that school has been closed down. When I was in high school, I graduated from Jones Metropolitan High School. Now, Jones is still around, but Jones now... When I was going to high school and I graduated, it was a business school. It taught young women how to wear skirts every day. I had to wear a skirt every day. It taught us how to wear gloves and, and we had to be ladylike. And then eventually it went co-ed and, and it brought young men. They had to wear a shirt and tie every day. That school now has been changed over to just a regular high school. Kids are skateboarding, wearing hoodies. Okay. Why am I saying that? So many of the, the, the opportunities and the development that young people inner city young people and just young people in general had access to back in the 70s and the 80s. By the time the 90s and the 2000s rolled around, those things were gone. They were, they, they, the city stopped funding them or private money, yeah. private industry stopped funding them, which however they were getting their monies, it's all closed. Yeah. It's all, or it's changed. Why am I saying that? Because those things also impact the avenues and the prospects that young people have. So basically now, if I'm, again, if I'm a young black man in 2018, almost 2019, if I don't come from that moral super ego kind of thing happening in my home and I don't come from a home of stability where I got mom and dad, you know, bringing me up in the righteous way and I don't have either a teacher or some other adult being that moral guide, as you say, that hero operating in my life, guess what? 
there's nothing else for yeah. me to fall back on but standing on that yeah. street selling those those bags. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And for and, that, I blame society. See, we're still blaming the kids, but we're not blaming what overall as society. Why would we get rid of a trade school? Why would we change a school that was teaching children business acumen and how to be polished and how to type and how to speak on an interview? I had a class in high school, Robert, that all it did was teach us how to go to a job interview and how to sit there eye to eye with a boss. I mean, and that's why a lot of times, I mean, I'm not going to lie because I was so well trained in that thing. It was rare that I would go on an interview and not get a job. So that's the kind of stuff we need a return to that. We need programs and developmental programs that will give young people, all young people, black, white, Spanish, whatever, that will give these young people the opportunity. But the only downside is when black kids don't get those opportunities, there's no other way, no other place that they can go where the other kids may have another avenue. That's we've got to do something about it. You're right. And again, that's one of the reasons why I did set down to write that book because there, there, there's, there's a moral behind it, okay, for us, in that, again, we have a responsibility to all people, but for me, I'm not going to lie, particularly black people. I mean, I, 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 everything that we probably share the same sort of suffering growing up. And I think suffering is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to tell people to avoid suffering, but I am saying. With this turnover, with this turnover in society where we want to get away from suffering. See, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. We want to get away from suffering. We, we miss what, what an individual is about in society. Again, when I went to college, the, the deal was everybody had to be a doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, something like that. And I think what happened is that it's, it's the people, the, put this way, the Booker T. Washington people, the, the people of common sense realized that hey, everybody can't get to the top of the pyramid. Pyramid primarily is the base, and that's where most people are going to be at. There's no problem with being at the bottom, at the base, okay? Mm-hmm. The object is understand your self-worth in society, okay? The, uh, you know, what's the most important thing on a car? Is it the engine? Well, if you don't have a spark plug, it ain't working. If, if the tire is flat, you can't go anyplace. If you don't have a steering wheel, you can't direct it. So everything has its importance. Everything has its importance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's missing. So I think if kids realize that, hey, to me, I, I get the impression that a lot of times when kids don't pursue, say, higher education, it, 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 it I think they're frustrated because the pursuit of higher education is not for everybody, but that doesn't mean that you're not a genius just because you can't sit this chemistry class. You can say, your genius might be in something entirely different, Okay. It doesn't mean you have to sit down in the classroom and, and show that you can do calculus equations. That's not that it, you, you don't have to do that. The object is to find something that you're good at, passionate at, passionate at, that uh, have the goal of, of of making a living, doing the best you can, to be the best you can at what you're good at. That that's what I was I was stressed. 
Yeah, but Robert, where are they where are they going to go? I mean, because it even and that's why I brought up about the the old Washburn Trade School here in Chicago. That's my point. A kid who may not because I'm with you on that. I don't believe everybody needs to go to the university and and, and do that. Some some professions require that and and some don't. But that's my point. Let's say you got a kid who's really dynamite in knowing how to get under the hood of a car. You know where where can this kid go now for that? Because most of those schools that would allow young men to to learn trades, learn how to do drywall or learn how to fix under the hood of a car. I don't know about in California where you are, but I can tell you in here in Chicago, we are starved for those types of schools and those types of places yeah. now. So I, I may not be fit for college and, and learn how to be a tech techie, but man, I may know how to fix cars. I may know how to do something with my hands, but guess what? Where do I go now to do it? And here's the deal. Are there some schools that allow you to learn how to do drywalling? There sure is. But guess what? Do you know how much money that I need to be able to have to do that? Or do you know how much debt and student loans? And some of those schools don't even take that kind of stuff. So again, there's things that are, as a society, that's affecting. It's having a domino effect. These kids aren't waking up every morning and saying, hey, I just want to go out and shoot somebody over a dime bag. They're not doing that. But no one is really, we're looking at, other problems, I grant you, the problem first starts in the home because if mom and dad can set that home uh, with the with the right foundation, now you're giving the kid a shot. Okay, now you're giving that kid at least a good seventy five to eighty percent shot. So if that's not in place, uh oh, now this kid's really in trouble. But let's say mom and dad screwed up and they didn't set the home right. But at least back when I was a younger person and you had those programs that my old high school used to offer, the business programs, and you had the Washburn. So if I was a kid who came from a jacked up home environment, I still had another avenue through those types of things. Now those things are gone. Come on, this is where I see, this is why I, I, I was saying, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so many layers to it. And I think sometimes we're only just looking at the layer that we can perceive. We can perceive that, hey, it's a problem in the home. Chicago has a parenting problem. Uh, no one says that more than me. But once you get beyond that, we have moral problems. We have spiritual problems. Okay, great. But once you get beyond that, what else do we have going on here? Well, we have a society now that's not, that have taken away funding for programs and educational development for kids to keep them from falling through the cracks. Now, as a society, if you get rid of that, how are we going to turn around and blame those kids for standing on the corner in the middle of the night with their guns? Yeah, Yeah. I agree with you. That's what we see. That's what we see. So, again, I go back to this, this hero thing where men should have not only a primary responsibility for their families, but also reach out and look after their neighbor. I, 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 I don't know what it broke down up, but that that is that is something that needs to be addressed. In fact, yeah. uh, the, the three heroes in my book were men that I basically wrote about that basically had that in mind. They basically looked out for the, the kids in the neighborhood to make sure that they did what they had to do in order to uh, not fall through cracks. Uh, uh, we need those kind of men. But again, if we're going off doing selfish things now, again, mm-hmm. people being lured, drugs, sex, mm-hmm. um, pornography, that type of stuff, then then the, then 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 the society is going to decay because you do need you do need those men <laughs> that are basically going to set the standard mm-hmm. of how they want their community to be run. That's why. Again, I have this issue with 
black community because I think every guy should be accountable. Okay, that's the thing. I mean, we can't get away from the fact that we have to suffer. We can't, the object, let's, let's get away from us having it easy. Mm-hmm. As soon as you come of age, okay, you raise your family, you look out for other people's children, they look out for other people's children. <laughs> it sounds idealistic, but I know other communities do it, and I know we can do it. I know other communities We used do to it. do it. That's the key. The black community used to do it. We used to do it. And it hasn't been all that long ago. Robert, I remember coming up as a kid. I'll I'll be very honest with you. And I won't say as a kid. I was a young person. I was about 17, almost 18. And that's at that time when I picked up the nasty habit of smoking. Thank God I haven't smoked in almost eight years now. But at that time, I picked up the little nasty habit, you know, as they say, being a fast little girl, right? And I'm smoking a cigarette. And it just so happened, I'm downtown Chicago, and I've got this cigarette in my my hand, and I think I'm looking cute and dolled up. And I happen to see (laughs) one of my mother's friends who goes to church, even to this day with my mom, and I see her coming down the street, and she recognized me off the bat. Now I'm 17, 18. Do you know how my hand got to trembling and I hurried up and threw that cigarette away? And she started laughing. You know why? Because even though I was 17 and 18, we knew that, guess what? It wasn't just your own mom and dad as a community you had to worry about. You had to worry about your mom and dad's friends, the neighbors, the elders, because everyone pitched in. Now, that's one thing Hillary Clinton absolutely was right about, referring to that old African proverb. It takes a village. And as black people, we used to have that where, hey, I couldn't get away using swear words in front of my next door neighbor. No way, because she would instantly tell my mom and dad or check me up herself. We've lost that. That has broken down in the black community. for sure. That's what you were responding to. You responded to that woman now, you know that you're not supposed to be smoking that cigarette. Your mom wouldn't. And you and here's, the, here's the deal. You responded appropriately to guilt. Right. Okay? That's right. Everything was in place. Everything was in place. Okay. But what has happened in America, let's say even in the black community, something has come into the community and corrupted that. Mm-hmm. And corrupted that. Well, we have that super ego uh, um, influence on kids. We now have a corruption of responding to guilt appropriately. We try to suppress it. We try to hide it. And and, and, and the psychological ramifications are just, are just, you know, off the charts of what's happening. Right. We need to go back to being humble people, mm-hmm. you know, believing, believing in God, you know, going to church. Yeah, that's another mm-hmm. issue I don't want to get into, but church <laughs> is lost their healing. But yeah, but hasn't church changed though, Robert? In all reality, hasn't church changed? I mean, I, let me just throw it, throw this out there. When I was coming up, honest to God, when I was a kid coming up, going to church with my mom and dad, I mean, church was church for real. I mean, you were going to get fire and brimstone. You were going to get preached out of hell. You were going to get preached on high and you was going to repent for your sins and come on into salvation. But now when you look at church, I mean, you got these idiot pastors like this guy recently just a couple of weeks ago flying over the audience and they're telling you hey god loves you he's going to give you a million dollars in the love of your life so could it be that some of the fall away from church attendance is not just because people don't want to believe in in the gospel or receive the word of god could it be that now we're dealing with a whole new level of pastors i mean the pastors are looking like rappers themselves wearing the skinny jeans and the the earrings and looking just as fine and cute as the rapper boys do i want really want to go to that church no i don't there's that culture of marxism again there you go they're preaching prosperity there you go come on robert that's it Mm -hmm. they're not preaching 
they're not preaching again about suffering, okay? Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus was talking about. Jesus, Jesus had two components, right? Jesus had the passion of Christ, and he had the compassion of Christ, mm-hmm. okay? Everybody passion of Christ. Okay, feed me, Jesus. Give me these fish. Don't let it stop, okay? But they don't want to do suffering of Christ. So what did Jesus <laughs> say with requirement if you had to follow him? You had to pick the cross up, right? There you go. Amen. He, yeah, he's saying if you want to if you want to follow me, there's going to be some suffering in the world. But these pastors that are coming to the church, especially the black church, want to eliminate the passion of Christ and only want to emphasize the compassion of Christ. That's right. Okay, if you do this, if you do this, you're going to have oodles of money. And by the way, make sure make sure you give my 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 cut so I can pay for my helicopter or my jet or my mistress or whatever like that. Okay, they, they they're emphasizing. They're emphasizing the compassion of Christ. That's the cultural Marxism thing. Mm-hmm. Cultural Marxism is not the passion of Christ. It's the compassion, okay? We want the compassion, but we don't We don't want any suffering. We right. don't want any suffering at all. That's the right. Can, no sacrifice. Christ. Right, no sacrifice. Yeah, that, that, there you go. There you go. That, that Again, that's one main reason why I wrote it, to keep re-emphasizing the fact that what is coming corrupted our community, okay, is this, is this, is this, I don't want to suffer anymore. So in a, in a home, if a, if a man and a woman have their first argument, well, I'm out of here. You know, she, she didn't do this for me. You know, she, she don't like me. Okay. That's supposed to be a ground for divorce. Okay. Um, kids in school, uh, if the teacher wants to meet them after school to try drilling, drill, uh, a lesson, make sure he, I don't like it. He's oppressing me. I, I got to call uh, social services. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on and on that. What's corrupted our, our our people across the board, whether it's black or white, is this desire that they do not want to suffer anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about torture. That's synonymous. We're talking mm-hmm. about it's a long to endure. Right. To put off the rank. Do you remember when we were kids? When we were kids, well, I'm older than you, but if I wanted something, we used to do things like put it on layaway. That's right. Put it on layaway. That's right. And, and we would get but it, 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 it taught us discipline. Not anymore. Hold on, we give you a credit card. You don't do that anymore. We give you a credit card. And then what does that do? Put you in debt. Right. And, you know, so, you know, Well, Robert, listen, we've got about a few minutes left. So what I want to do is, and which is why I wanted to give you that extra time. So let's, 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 let's wrap it up for our audience. Um, I'm just going to ask you direct, why should the audience, anyone who chooses to listen to the podcast in the last four parts of this, why should someone go out or get online and order Riddle of Oz? What would you tell them that they're going to gain from this book? Yeah, what I hope the audience would gain from it is an insight to who you are as an individual and your personal responsibility. But also, I would like you to see how how most people have been manipulated to move away from their purpose in life. Your purpose in life, I feel, is to be as godly as possible. Not perfect, not perfect. I think most men would probably line up like King David, to be honest with you. We're flawed, but we still haven't lost our faith. But mm-hmm. I think what you do is you get an insight, you get an insight of the mystery surrounding of how our society, why is our society in such confusion right now? Why is so much chaos, confusion? Um, and if we, and, and, and if we, it, the book also offers you a solution 
solution to the to the current problems we have nowadays. Just very quick, I, I, it's hard to summarize it, but as a black person, I, I, even I coming up, I felt like, hey, is it? Do I have some inferiority about me? Am I am I, am I not as good as the other person? Uh, or is there something inherently wrong with black people? Is that why we lag behind? What this book will tell you is that there's nothing wrong with you. Absolutely. But there's something that has to be cultivated in you that will take you to the heights that you want to go. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. You don't have to worry about somebody wondering if you are genetically inferior or another kind of thing. No, this book tells you the reason why certain people are enjoying the benefits that they enjoy is because they cultivated something in them mm-hmm. that 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 has been suppressed in black people. And, and we've talked about this for five episodes. It's that superego. It's that superego. If that's cultivated, the, 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 there's nothing to stop you. There is absolutely nothing to stop you in this world if that's cultivated. The problem is it, it's been suppressed. It's been suppressed. But if we can get back to cultivating that superego, and having our neighbors, you know, our children believe in themselves and strive for their ideals, the black community could turn around within ten years. Ten years, we could be we could be on par with everybody else. Um, now, granted, financially, we, we still have a ways to go, but in terms of finally figuring the puzzle out, because I've heard it even when I was a kid, one day, one day, one day, one of those, you know, we now know how to solve the problem. And that's what I'm saying. You read this book, you'll be able to solve the problem for yourself, your family, your children, other people. Everybody will do well. We'll prosper. We can live happily ever after, die, go back and meet Jesus. And that's where that's where that's where we really want to be anyway. But that's but that's basically that's basically this it's not a self help book. It's something that we need to cultivate, that we can cultivate that'll turn this whole situation around. And the whole situation, the crime, the broken home, the drugs, the abortion, the poor academic achievement, all that can be turned around with this one thing that can be cultivated. That's cultivated, the sky's the limit. Awesome. Well, Robert, listen, I want to thank you. Uh, man, That it's been just wonderful having an opportunity to have a, um, just the honor and the privilege of having you with us and to discuss your book, uh, to discuss you know, a myriad of issues. I mean, and again, we really just barely touched the surface of the book, but you know, our goal was to introduce you to our audience and let them go out and get the book. And, and I encourage you all, anyone who's listening, if you haven't listened to the first four parts and understand now the fifth part is in two different episodes, because I didn't want to just cut Robert at the end of the first part of the fifth part. So you've got two parts on the fifth episode and you've got one through four. I encourage any of you guys go and listen to it. If you haven't heard them, listen to the whole episode, the whole session with Mr. Robert A. St. Thomas, even better, be sure to go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble online on their website, you can find Robert's book there, The Riddle of Oz. And uh, Robert, let him know that you said that or you possibly in, in the next you know, few weeks or several weeks, the book will be available hard in hard copy. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, you can order it right now, uh, pre-order it. Um, they are taking orders. Uh, hard copy will probably be there in, yeah, I'd say about the, the, the first, uh, first of the year, first of the year, the new year of 2019. It should be ready. 
Awesome. Very good. Well, guys, thank you so very much for tuning in to Bull Talk Radio. Robert, thank you. I'm wishing you and your family a blessed and wonderful Christmas. Thank you. You're very welcome. My pleasure. And Robert, don't be a stranger to the show. And I know that you want, uh, we want to have you back. You know, if you have something else and, you know, if you even just to do a follow up with you, we want to bring you back onto the show and we want to consider you as a uh, family to Bold Talk Radio. So hopefully this is just one of many more opportunities we'll have with you uh, discussing with us. Well, God bless you. Thank you very much for the opportunity and to the listening audience. Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy New Year, and uh, hope we can discuss the Riddle of Oz sometime in 2019. That's right. Absolutely. And I'm going to hold you to it, Robert. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Bold Talk Radio. Happy holidays to each and every last one of you. I am your host, Pat Williams. And until next time, I'll see you.